What is up, everyone? Welcome to the definitive Awakened Catholic show. I'm your host, Nick Delatore. Today, we've got a great show for you. We have an awesome guest. Just, you know, imagine taking Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg, making one of them a woman, and then them having a baby, and that baby being Catholic. That is our guest today, Elena Murdoch. Really exciting stuff coming up for you right after this. Welcome to the Awakened Catholic Show, everyone. Before we begin, I just got to tell you that all of this is made possible. This show and all the other shows on Awakened Catholic made possible by people like you. If you want to be a part of what makes everything here at Awakened Catholic possible, this show, you know, the Awakened Catholic Show, and all the other awesome content that's being produced here, there's eight other shows. If you want to make Part of, if you want to be a part of making all of this possible, then head to awakencatholic.org slash donate. If you um, make a monthly contribution as low as $10 a month, you can be contributing to all of this great work, and you can be a part of the Awakened Nation. And members of the Awakened Nation not only make this possible, but they also get great premium content that's exclusive to the Awakened Nation, um, both on our website and on our app. Theawakenapp.io is where you want to go to get the Awaken app. We are not on the App Store or the Play Store because we're cooler than that. No, you got to go to your mobile browser and type in theawakenapp.io to get this app. On the app, you get all of the Awaken Catholic shows. Um, you're part of the community there. You can interact directly with the show hosts, and you can get premium content, uh, again, uh, if you're part of the Awaken Nation, through the app. It's a really, really great uh, hub for everything Awaken Catholic, uh, and we recently just added the ability to check out our online store through the app. So go to theawakenapp.io if you're on your iPhone. Go to the Safari browser and type that in. If you're on an Android device, go to the Chrome browser and type that in. Finally, there's one other app I want to tell you about. It's the Hallow app. Our great partners at Hallow um, have an amazing app that is designed to help you pray, to meditate, to enter into contemplative prayer. I literally use this app every single day. It has really made a difference in my life uh, spiritually, um, and I, I, a lot of us here at Awaken Catholic use it every day, uh, or at least very frequently. So check out um, the Hallow app, and if you go through our link and get the free month of premium subscription, you're also helping Awaken Catholic. So go to hallow.app slash awaken and get the free month of premium subscription. You'll be blessed by it, and you'll be helping Awaken Catholic as well. Elena Murdoch. Welcome to the Awakened Catholic Show, Elena. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Uh, I've been really excited ever since your, your team reached out and we, we've been uh, interacting and stuff. This is such a cool thing that you guys are doing and developing. Um, and I think it's, it's definitely uh, a gap right now in the world that I think you guys are working towards filling. And it's, it's really an exciting prospect. So before we get into your organization, though, just tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, I mentioned Mark Zuckerberg and um, Steve Jobs and stuff. And the reason for that is because you, you shared with me that you were, you were brought up in Silicon Valley. Is that right? Yes, it is. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm super excited. I'm excited to have you here. So what was it like growing up in Silicon Valley? Were you always a Catholic? Did you become Catholic later? How did that look? Yeah, so actually I grew up on on something called Sand Hill Road, which is where all the big venture capitalists are. So when um, my main business, I do PR for venture capitalists, I literally say, hey, this is in my blood. I grew up on Sand Hill Road. This is why you should hire me. And a lot of the times I get clients that way. Um, That's awesome. So my parents went to Stanford University. My mom got her MBA and my dad got his PhD and my dad taught at the business school. So I grew up there from basically age zero to age eight. Um, but it's pretty much always stayed in my blood. My parents got married at Stanford. Um, so I, I very much go back all the time and it's very much like a home experience. Uh, that's also the, the epicenter for entrepreneurial, you know, people in, on the planet. So it's, it's very much something that I've grown up with and out of the box thinking was something that was always encouraged. And so I kind of have always kept that even being in ministry, um, starting my career in ministry and, and going forward into being an entrepreneur. That is really, really cool. And I resonate a lot with kind of the ethos that you were brought up with, even though I was not brought up there. Um, you know, I was, I, so we're both Latinos. I was brought up in a Cuban American house and, you know, we were never like really well off by any means on our end. We're just in this, you know, random town in Bowling Green, Ohio, which 
is a long story when I was born in Miami, Florida, like, why would you ever leave paradise? But anyways, you know, and we were brought up with this um, mentality, this ethos of like, anything is possible, you know, think outside of the box, like a lot of the stuff that you were just talking about, I grew up also believing, um, except I wasn't surrounded by examples of it, which is like a very different scenario than what you just described, which I'm super fascinated by. Um, what are some of the things growing up, growing up that you saw that kind of excited you the most in that environment? Um, I think it was general. It was not necessarily anything that I saw that was like something sparked like an idea. It was more like everybody was very high energy and everybody was so driven. And so the driven nature of like how I grew up, not just like family wise, but then seeing my parents, friends, and just the environment of Stanford University. And then we moved from Stanford or Stanford. We were living on Stanford campus, basically. And then we moved to Chicago um, and my dad worked at McKinsey and Company. So like that very chief problem solver attitude was always like in our household and very much something that I always aspired to is like, I want to be that person who is solving all those problems. Um, so it's not necessarily something that I saw, but it was more just like the general, like, this is what your mindset is and that anything is possible as long as you work really hard to achieve it. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And you see, you know, even Jesus himself says things to that effect in the gospels, right? If you have faith, like a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And I think we walk around assuming that um, that's a, you know, a metaphor that is not meant to be strived for, or that we're, you know, in, in meekness, right. From the Sermon on the Mount or, or in, in all humility as like, we're, we're striving for virtue. We think, oh, we need to, we need to stay small and we need to, we need to think small. And it's like, no, that's kind of a skewed perception of the gospel and Jesus's words, if you ask me. But anyways, um, we'll get into a little bit more of that later in the show. Uh, before we continue. So you were brought up in a Catholic household. Um, yeah, so we did go to mass on Sunday. My parents didn't really start becoming very active in their faith until we moved to Chicago. Um, but I did, my parents started the first Catholic university club at Stanford. Um, and so, and they, I also had my first communion at like at Memorial church, which is at Stanford. And they were the first ones to kind of start that going for all like the, the kids of the professors. Um, so there was definitely like sparks there. Um, but I didn't, we didn't really start practicing our faith until I was probably middle school and high school. Um, like very like actively like praying the rosary every day and um, uh, confirmation and and all of that. So it was more of like a, a later stage, but very very much jumped into the deep end of the pool in that in that sense. Yeah, that's awesome. And you shared with me when we spoke before that um, you were uh, after high school, you were like going to discern religious life. Yes, I at one point thought that I wanted to be a cloistered Carmelite nun. Um, and cloistered so go, that's like next level that's <laughs> it's kind of like go all the way man right <laughs> <laughs> go all in just <laughs> go big or go home that's right. like the the right. uh, mantra of us entrepreneurs for sure um, but I, I did discern out of that and um it's very I, I can even imagine doing that now like I'm very much an extrovert very much um on the dating scene which is hard as a catholic but um <laughs> but yeah no i i did do that and then i went to franciscan instead of going like the route that my parents went which is stanford university um and then i became a youth minister after getting my de degree in theology from franciscan um which i love my time at franciscan um and it definitely it was definitely an amazing experience and then i was in youth ministry a director of youth ministry for about three and a half years in the archdiocese of miami um, and moved to Miami, not knowing anybody, which mm -hmm. was was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really loved my time in ministry, and I learned so many skills from being in ministry, and uh, especially networking. Um, but I was a director of youth, young adult, campus ministry, college ministry, parent ministry, young adults, um, pretty much anything under the sun. So you discerned out of... Uh you know, striving towards being a cloistered religious, you become, uh, you just enter ministry, youth ministry, and you're, you're at a high level at the Archdiocese of Miami. Um, so I feel comfortable asking you the following questions, okay? We're going to dive into what has now become known as the Kerygma speed round, okay? So, Elena, who is Jesus? Someone that I rely on every day to get me through the week, especially when I definitely can't do things myself. And he is someone who is merciful and remember, does not remember my faults, which is the best Ooh, kind of friend that you can have. That is awesome. That is so true. That is the best kind of friend you can have. I love that. Uh, second question, elevator pitch for faith in him. 
for for faith yeah for faith with him or a life with him what's the elevator pitch if you're sitting with someone you got from uh, you can decide the size of the building and how long the elevator ride is but what is the elevator pitch for walking with jesus through life that if you think you can do things by yourself you have the biggest ego on the planet and you need to get stripped that away <laughs> and that if you really feel that you can't get through something you really need someone to ha- to help you there but it's more than someone He's God, so he can take on all of the things that you need um, and that he will listen to you. Even when all your friends have walked away, even when all your friends think that you're crazy, mm. he's, he's always there, which is even though, even if you can't see him and if you're in the, the deepest of valleys, you can know that he is always there for you, um, which the world can you cannot say the same for the world. I love that. That is so good. Uh, all right. And then final question, elevator pitch for specifically life as a Catholic. Confession, number one. <laughs> yes. You get to go to confession all the time, whenever you want to. Um, it is always there. Um, also, like God, um, confession and the Eucharist are the two things that hold me up, especially in the life of an entrepreneur. Um, it's it's Confession is the best thing. I go at least every two weeks. Um, and same with the Eucharist. It's, even during COVID, there's in California, um, there's some mat- places that are open for Mass. So it's definitely something that I rely on. And I think being an entrepreneur, I was like made to be an entrepreneur because my faith has changed so much. And I definitely, if I, I can tend to get a little bit lazy sometimes. And if I was like in a corporate job, I'd be like relying on like a steady paycheck, but an entrepreneur, it's like always changing. Um, even though we do well for ourselves, like pre COVID, uh, it definitely is, I definitely need God a lot more. Uh, and so Amen. being an entrepreneur definitely kept my faith going super strong. That's beautiful. That's and I agree. I agree. So there it is. That's the Kerygma speed round from Elena Murdoch. Um, so you, we were talking about uh, your journey. So you were uh, at this point, we left off with you working in, in the Archdiocese of Miami. And then like, what was the transition from that to kind of diving into where you're at now? Yes. Yeah, so I was just starting out of ministry and it was pretty much when I discern something, it's like you have to like leave it. I think if you're in a place for too long, especially if you're in ministry, you could really harm the people around you because they're meant to be served by somebody else. Um, so I pretty much left and I didn't really have a plan. I was just like, I need to leave. So I left. Um, and then I, I did, my dad pointed out, he's like, you really should have a business. He's like, this is what you're like made for. Cause I was always frustrated by like the 40 hour work weeks you can't build relationships in 40 hours is what I tried to convince my pastor of, um, but it didn't always work. Um, and so I really look, I'm a very much a problem solver and that's what a business owner is. You're looking to solve problems. So I started working with um, uh, nonprofits that's most closely related to ministry. And then I started working with major donors who identified like, hey, you're really good at the marketing thing. I really need this personal brand. I was like, I have no idea what a personal brand is, but sure. And so I was given <laughs> this budget by this one major donor. He's like, go figure it out. I became an expert in LinkedIn and then learned PR. And then now, you know, get our clients in like Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Harvard Business Review, um, Fast Company, Thrive Global, all those fun top tier publications. Work with some amazing executives. Um, some of them are Catholic. So it doesn't really always, I don't plan it that way, but sometimes it just happens that way. Um, so I just started becoming an expert in, in different subject matter. And it really only takes one client to pe- become an expert in something. Mm-hmm. Um, our LinkedIn um, personal branding for specifically executives who are like Stanford, uh, very like Fortune 100 level is what I specialize in now. That's amazing. And let me ask you a question. And I know that you're not generally supposed to ask this of women, but how old are you? I just turned 30 about that's just have. that's silly. That's silly that you have done everything you just said, and you're only thirty. I'm thirty three, and you know, occasionally I'm like, hey, I'm I'm doing stuff for the Lord. I'm doing stuff, and then I, I meet people like you who are just like killing it, just absolutely killing it, and it's really really exciting. I mean, we good all, job. All, thank you. We all have our different missions, though. That is the truth. Thank you for calling me to the carpet. <laughs> no, that is that's absolutely right, and I think that that's actually super relevant for some of the stuff we're going to talk about in the second uh, in the second segment of the show here. 
Um, but, you know, you mentioned you're in L.A. and there's a lot of interesting things happening with businesses. You know, the most recent egregious thing that has come out of California is that Governor Newsom said that he was not going to allow the Catholic weird stuff segment to continue. But here at Awaken Catholic, we said, no, Governor Newsom, we are going to go through with the Catholic weird stuff segment. So let's hit it, Colleen. All right. So today, uh, you know, obviously everything I just said was somewhat satire. So please uh, forgive um, anyone listening or watching that is like a major Newsome fan. Um, today we're going to be talking about, in our Catholic Weird Stuff segment, the Holy Rosary. And there are two different parts of the Rosary that I think are important to touch on. This is not going to be like some exhaustive, comprehensive analysis or presentation of what the Rosary is. I'm not going to get deep into the history. I'm going to get into the practicals, all right? So the practicals are you know, two parts. One is the prayer itself, and the other part is this tool that we um, think of as the rosary, right? So um, as a tool, it's essentially uh, beads on a rope, right? And all through human history in religion uh, for, for thousands of years, we have uh, a tradition of um, prayer beads on rope uh, in different uh, faith traditions and different ways of using them. Um, even Islam has prayer beads, and we as Christians had prayer beads even before it was the Holy Rosary. Like originally it was a way for monks to like um, pray through the Psalms. And so there's there's a lot to be said about this. And as a tool, even in this like iteration of it, it's used in a lot of different creative ways. And one of them, for example, is like the Divine Mercy Chaplet. So that's a different prayer than the prayer of the Holy Rosary. Um, so as a tool, it's it's prayer beads on a rope, and it has a crucifix on it, obviously, and they are in a certain arrangement that is geared in particular to the prayer called the Holy Rosary, um, but they're just prayer beads, essentially. Uh, you could use them to meditate. You can find uh, a certain phrase that you want to pray with, like, for example, some people will do the Jesus prayer, the Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. So they're, they're just prayer beads, essentially. So that's that's it as a tool, but it is geared in a special way towards the Holy Rosary prayer. Um, and so when it comes to the Holy Rosary prayer, um, it's it's a easily uh, misconstrued by many, many people as being some weird devotion and, and like worship, in, in, in a particular way, worship of Mary. It is not worship of Mary. We as Catholics do not worship Mary. That would be a big no-no because uh, there is only one God. Thank you. Um, and so what we're doing, uh, when we pray, for example, the, the Hail Mary, the Hail Mary is prayed quite a bit in the context of the Holy Rosary. And even the Hail Mary, people misunderstand as being worship of Mary. First half of the Hail Mary is literally quoting scripture uh, from the Gospel of Luke when the angel Gabriel came to Mary in the first chapter, I think it's chapter one, verse 42 or something like that. Um, and so it's literally the greeting that Gabriel gives to Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And then it's like also the quote from her cousin Elizabeth when Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. Um, and it's, uh, blessed are you among women and blessed is, or is that from Elizabeth or is that from something that Mary said later? That was Elizabeth. Um, so anyways, we are quoting scripture with the first half of the Hail Mary. And then the second half of the Hail Mary is asking Mary to pray for us because she's our spiritual mother, right? Like Jesus is our brother. And as our brother, we share his mother. Jesus gave us his mother at the cross, John, the beloved disciple, um, which is kind of used as an analog for us throughout the Gospels. Um, he says to John, John, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. And like that was Jesus handing off uh, Mary as, as his mother to become our mother. And Mary loves us and she cares for us from heaven, uh, as with all the other saints and angels. And so the second half of the Hail Mary is just inviting Mary, our mother, to pray for us. So the first half is quoting scripture, second half is asking her to pray for us. There's a whole lot of those Hail Marys in this thing, but something that's super important that a lot of people miss is that you are not 
praying the full Holy Rosary if you're not also using what's called the mysteries. So um, there are five different mysteries for each like category of mysteries. Uh, there are the joyful mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries, the glorious mysteries, and the luminous mysteries. And each one of those categories has five mysteries that are basically like stories from the gospel. And so what we're really doing when we're incorporating the mysteries is the whole rosary becomes a meditation on the life of Jesus. The whole rosary becomes a reflection and meditation on the gospels. So like, it's pretty wild how much this prayer and this tool all points to Jesus and the gospels. And um, praying it is uh, like very tactical, uh, not tactical, tactile way of experiencing the gospels, kind of like Mary, our mother, is walking us through the stories in the gospels, right? Like we're seeing the stories from the gospels through Mary's eyes, and nobody was closer to Jesus than Mary. Nobody is closer to Jesus, even today, than Mary. She's his mom. Kind of a big deal. So uh, that is the rosary. We're not worshiping her. There is only one God, and we, we like to pray with her. We like to ask her to pray for us, right? Like the wedding at Cana where uh, Jesus couldn't be bothered to perform his first miracle until his mother was like, yeah, he's going to perform a miracle, do whatever he tells you to do. So like, you know, there's a pretty clear precedent in the Gospels with the wedding at Cana that Mary's uh, intercession in that way has an effect in some mysterious way. So um, that's all the rosary is, is we're praying with her, we're asking her to pray for us, and we are journeying with Mary through the parts of Jesus' life Jesus's life that uh, are depicted in the mysteries uh, of the rosary. And then, you know, additionally, there are lots of really cool devotions that use the rosary as a prayer. Um, and so there's different like consecrations and stuff. And Elena, you were telling me off camera uh, that, or when we weren't recording, that you your entire business uh, is consecrated. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, my third business, Mission to Launch, is consecrated under the visitation. Um, I actually had a really difficult time praying the rosary, um, mostly because my parents, we prayed it every day. And so I kind of shied away from that for a while. Um, and then I was meditating. I was doing actually a rosary novena as a sacrifice earlier this year. And um, I was meditating on the visitation. And I realized that Mary, through it, that Mary made a brave and bold decision to visit her cousin Elizabeth when women didn't really do that back then, especially, you know, we believe it was on, on her own, maybe with like a caravan, but, you know, women didn't do that. And so I very much see myself as a woman who takes aggressively smart business, like action in business, and also a brave and bold woman is something I, I write as an affirmation every day. And so like it clicked for me. And then Mission to Launch is a very action-based company. And so I consecrated Mission to Launch under the visitation specifically because Our Lady, you know, kicks down doors and takes names and precious yeah. serpent's head. I wanted that example for, for those who sign up for Mission to Launch. That is beautiful. I love that uh, connection with, with your mission and the business and you personally and and the reason for consecrating with the visitation. That's beautiful. Um, thank you for sharing that. So that's today's Catholic Weird Stuff segment, just a really light uh, touching on the topic of the rosary. If you want more, we'll put like a link in the show notes to more information about the rosary. Um, there's a lot of interesting history surrounding it. So moving on, uh, Elena, I wanted to uh, get into a little bit of one of your businesses. You said it's your third business, um, Mission to Launch. And that is, to me, a really interesting uh, concept that you've developed with a, a team of really great people that I've gotten to interact with already. Um, and you recently spoke at the Catholic Creative Summit. Is that right? Yes. What was your presentation yep. about there? It was realizing our dreams, habits needed to go from a youth minister to a six-figure business owner in four years. Wow. Technically under four years, but... Very, very cool. Uh, yeah, that's something I would love to hear more about. Um, and along those lines, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about um, maybe before uh, being an entrepreneur and, and dreaming as a Catholic, let's talk about just being in a corporate environment and uh, in a business environment and how to do that as effectively as possible. Because, you know, we're called to to whatever we do to do with excellence, right? Like Christians, from my from my understanding, we should be striving to bring excellence to everything that we do, and we should be the best representation of what it looks like to do whatever it is that's being done. 
Um, and I think that when we are less than that um, and we are not striving for that, we're, we're really doing a disservice to the gospel. Um, and I, you, you guys, uh, your team gave me an opportunity to preview one of your uh, courses at Mission to Launch. And, and I really loved kind of the very practical approach of like, listen, if, if you want to be a, a good Catholic and Christian in the workplace, like it starts with understanding your dignity. It starts with understanding uh, who you are in the eyes of God and, and who you're meant to be here on earth and and then operating from that standpoint. Can you can you kind of share a little bit about what went into developing those concepts? Sure. Um, so I went to an Opus Dei uh, Catholic high school, and very much of the you know San Jose Maria Escrivá talks about doing everything with a spirit of excellence, like you were talking about, and offering up everything you do as prayer. So like an hour, if you're a student and your, your vocation is to be a student in that moment, an hour of study is an hour of prayer. If you're you know a working professional and that's your little V vocation. Um, then an hour of work is an hour of prayer. So it's a lot of developing excellence um, through that and also developing a sense of self according to theology of the body, specifically with the, the course that you watch, Theology of the Workplace, but then with Mission to Launch. Uh, there are a lot of like Catholic ministries and groups that are for um, Catholics in general, and then there's even fewer that are for Catholic professionals, but there's no courses that you can take apart from going to a university, which doesn't teach you skill sets, just teaches you how to be like in a certain box. Mm. So as Catholics, I believe that we're designed to um, set standards and think outside the box, especially people coming from ministry, uh, very much thinking outside the box people. Um, so Mission to Launch was designed for those who are Catholic who want to be professional in the workplace um, to kind of like live that way and how to learn those skill sets of like negotiation, um, interviewing, not just interviewing for jobs, but also pr promotions, networking, networking, every networking opportunity is an opportunity to serve someone. Um, those things are not really taught anywhere. So I wanted to create something that actually reflected my transition from ministry into the professional world, but also a general Catholic who's looking to build a business or is in corporate America can utilize these courses to build um, mindset from like going from scarcity into abundance which is something I think as Catholics, we all struggle with also identifying your dreams and realizing those dreams. I believe we're meant to dare greatly and to dream big with God because he wants really good things for us, which is very different from the health and wealth gospel. Mm -hmm. But you know, if we work hard and we, we can achieve things, we just have to, but we also have to be trained in how to do that. Um, and currently there's no training in how to, you know, for Catholics who want to be successful in the in the professional space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and, and even um, some of the simple things that like you you would you would assume you're like, yeah, I know about that, but like even just presenting ideas like how to communicate with integrity and how to work with integrity um, that were kind of brought about uh, or brought forward in the theology of the workplace uh, uh, course that I watched and and like things like you know, giving someone feedback on work that they did or on work that they need to do or, you know, reaching a certain deadline and kind of uh, the way that the course presented different ways of approaching that and what are the the pros and cons to each of those ways and, and you know, what is the best way to approach these types of feedback. I think that these are such practical things that anyone can benefit from, whether it's like, um, you know, you're, whether you're an employee, a team member in a company, or you're in a leadership role, uh, and, and ultimately, we're all called to leadership. We're all called to be leaders in one way or another. It doesn't mean you're the boss, but but you should be a leader. You should be a presence that that carries weight. You know, when someone, this is one of my favorite things to consider when I'm wrestling with like self doubt or or insecurity or whatever, like. When I walk into a room, I am a baptized Christian. I'm a ba I'm a Catholic. When I walk into a room, the kingdom of God has entered that room. And if I'm not presenting myself as such, then I am doing a disservice to the people that I'm interacting with and I'm doing a disservice to myself and I'm doing a disservice to the work. Um, we should be very, very conscious of what we bring with us, what is in us. And that is the kingdom of God, right? Like when Jesus came, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. And what he meant was that like where he was, the kingdom of God was. And that is meant to be true for us too as baptized Christians. So, you know, that brings with it a, a call to integrity. That brings with it a call to 
uh, thinking big, not thinking small, because our God is a big God. <laughs> you know, our God, he's a dreamer, and he, he dreamt us up into existence and perpetually dreams us in a state of existence. And like the whole universe was put here because of his innovation, his creation. Um, and, and if we're going to model the Lord's heart and the Lord's spirit, like that's, we got to be there too. Uh, it doesn't have to mean that we're all entrepreneurs, but we have to think the way that God is kind of challenging us to think. Is that, is that a fair way of putting that? Yes. I, I would say you pretty much hit it on the head. For the <laughs> all right. Rock on. <laughs> so is there, is there anything else, um, related to the courses specifically that you, you would like us to touch on before we move on? Yeah, that, um, also we have courses that are next year we're developing courses also in Spanish. So I, I think a lot of the times if you want to receive premium skill set education, you, the expectation is that you know English So we also are developing that for Spanish speakers. This year we're offering something called alt mentorship also in Spanish. Um, so we're kind of leapfrogging that we have, a, we have the chief operating officer from Credit Suisse in Mexico, it's the $26 billion invest, investment banking company offering mentorship to us Catholics. So these executives believe in people who have not even signed up for the course that your dreams are meant to be fulfilled. And regardless if you're a mom, if you're, you know, in youth ministry, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a regular Catholic who wants to strive for excellence. Um, but I would say, like, keep in mind that it's always in a, in a spirit of progress over perfection, because a lot of the time I think we can focus on the perfection part. Like, remember, we're not in heaven yet. <laughs> we're no, we're right. not expected to be perfect. Um, but so it's really about progress over the perfection and um, training training those people who want to strive for excellence. Um, but you have to be receive like the good training and where I think the advantage with with us is that you don't have to go and source random classes from YouTube or different places because we talk about mindset and the the mindset going from scarcity as Catholics like even though I went I was raised in a Stanford like household and I was raised in Silicon Valley and my parents were successful I was still raised with the mentality of like you're only given enough to get by and so when I went into youth ministry my a scarcity mindset was very limiting and so I had to be trained out of that and so I think I've talked to hundreds of people over the last few months and there's a very much like as Catholics, we don't believe that we can make money. And so Mission to Launch helps train you out of that, essentially, um, which is very false. Like we, we should be able to make a lot of money um, because yeah. it's good for us and it's good for our communities as well. Yeah. And let's let's uh, let's touch on that. So I want to move into a conversation about dreaming and entrepreneurship and and how how to reconcile like. Um, the the elements of the faith, because you know, even even a lot of the misunderstandings surrounding this topic are are fundamentally like they're rooted in some uh, part of truth, but they're really not, um, you know. And it's everyone doing the best they can. Everyone has the best of intentions related to this type of stuff. But you know, even if you can be off the mark, and and there are ways to go off the mark in the other direction too. But you know, um, there is truth to the beauty and necessity of humility uh, for virtue in everyone, but humility doesn't mean smallness. Humility is an, in, in the truest sense, in, in virtue, humility is a, a thorough understanding of reality. And, and so it's the, you know, in humility, he is God and I am not. In humility, um, like, I don't know. I, I got the Lord has given me the path that he has given me and it's different than your path, right? In humility, like I cannot look at the journey that someone is on and be envious of that because God has a rocking journey for me that I need to be pursuing actively. That's true humility. Um, humility is not going into debt, right? Like not buying a billion things you can't afford and then just kind of hoping everything works out. Like humility is founded in truth uh, and in reality. And that is not the same thing as stay small. That is 
uh, more vice, right? Like it's, it's a, a codependency and like not wanting to make other people uncomfortable with the way your life looks. And, um, that that's actually a, a more of a problem. And if we're, you know, we, we, as Christians, we're called to make people uncomfortable with the way our lives look like that's literally part of the Christian walk, because you're going to be countercultural. You're going to be, uh, counterintuitive even. Um, and I think that that's just, you know, if we're going to be living out our faith in the fullest expression of that, you're going to make people uncomfortable. And so I think we need to be ready for that. Um, so you you were talking you were talking about needing to be deprogrammed in a sense. Um, I I can relate to some of those struggles. I've worked in youth ministry. I've worked as a music director at a parish. I, a lot of similar you know congruencies with with the journey that you've had as far as that goes. Um, even working at the diocese, running one of the offices there, um, and I think that there is like this expectation that we we're, we're we're really struggling as a church to work out of an era where most ministries were covered by religious people um people that were either brothers or nuns or consecrated religious of different kinds like that is how our church used to work is that most ministries were covered by these people that were basically doing it for free maybe other than housing and food right um and so now we're in this era where we have a lot less consecrated religious people doing ministry and so we are having to lean into families and individuals who are a part of families to cover a lot of the same ground and do it with another level of excellence that that is expected today from the world um and my frustration uh in my time doing that as a parish worker and as a member of the di or a, a worker at the diocese is kind of like we've built a lot of our salary standards and all of these things around the premise that both people are working full time in the household so like we'll pay you just enough so that with your salary combined with your spouse's salary you guys will be okay but have as many kids as possible and be super, super Catholic visibly, super, super pro-life visibly, six to eight kids at least, um, but neither of you can stay home with them because you both have to be working full-time. Like there's just this like in incompatible messaging that's happening inadvertently and it's just not gospel. It's just not, now, you know, I, I, I do think that there is a place for people to, to live, um, you know, I don't know. What what are your thoughts? I just threw a lot of stuff out there. No, I, I think that's so true. And I when I was working in a parish, I was making $34,000 a year. And the the guy before me had a wife and a kid and he was made and he was part time and he was making 43,000. And so I was like, you know, there there's that conversation. But um, <laughs> that's a whole nother ball of wax. <laughs> right. Another situation totally. Um, but it, it just it is very frustrating that the church is promulgating like that that mindset of scarcity plus you didn't even mention the fact that you're expected to work 80 hours a week yeah. but you're only allowed to record 40 but if you record 40 or if you record more than 40 you get in trouble for it so i mean at, at least the parishes that i know my friends have worked at too so it's it's like very frustrating um and it goes against like, what you said the gospel and also what we're meant to do as people who are created in the image and likeness of god um and I think, too, if people had a way to know that they could also go into ministry and serve and that it's maybe not a lifelong calling for everybody, but they had a way to be trained in ways to thrive outside, there would be a lot more people going into ministry. That's so I true. Think people think about ministry. They're like, OK, I'm going to do this thing for a couple of years, but then how do I be successful outside of it? And right now the church doesn't provide a way to do that. So in another way, Mission to Launch is providing that. But if people would really recognize, like, okay, this is a short-term calling for the most part, and, like, I need to build skill sets that create us to thrive, you know, that would be also appealing. But uh, we're not quite there yet. We're trying to build towards that. Um, but it is so frustrating because you are expected to have – I know I have friends who are work at the um, diocesan level and have, like, eight kids, one family in particular, and the, the dad is making 45000 a year. I don't know how they do it. They live in Nebraska, too, but – you know, it's it's not as expensive there, but it, it is very sad that um, we're not as Catholics. We're not seeing the 
we're not trying to make our youth ministers thrive. We're just, we see them and we don't really do anything but help them survive. Mm-hmm. And so that puts into the, into your mindset even more like, okay, other people also have the same expectation of being in the world is very um, starvation, survive, uh, th- uh, survive and uh, scarcity mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, something else that uh, drives me kind of crazy is like where we where the parishes are choosing to invest. Like it's not like parishes have no money. It's just that they're allocating the funds that they have in ways that to me are not necessary. And I don't claim to be some kind of a financial expert, but I do think that there is a sense of stewardship about those funds that is being uh, misinterpreted by the people that by the, the the decision makers in those organizations. So, for example, I have a ton of respect for the last pastor I worked for, for example, because he um, he knew that he needed to invest in his people and fix the issues in their parish that whether personnel or otherwise before the parish could be making any contributions to other organizations. So. When he came into this parish, the parish was making these extraordinary and exorbitant. Did I use that word correctly? I'm, you know, I'm Cuban, so I play that card whenever I mess up words. Um, But uh, the the parish was making these huge contributions to other organizations as like you know donations or whatever. And he comes in and he's like, "Wait a second, why are we paying?" all of these other organizations, this money, when we have stuff we need to fix in our own house, you know, in a metaphor, metaphorical sense, um, when, when we could be paying our people more, when we could be, you know, uh, taking care of our staff more. And that's the kind of thinking that I think would really make a difference if all parishes handled it that way, right? Um, and, and it's little things like that. If you add up little decisions like that along the way, you could really start to change the culture of parish work. I mean, why do we have the turnaround that we do in our parishes? Because we're not treating people the way we should be treating them. It's a pretty straightforward equation. <laughs> right. And, and the way that Silicon Valley thinks too, is that you go long on talent. You know, if you, if you are really prioritizing your company, which essentially the church, you can see it, you know, some of them, some parishes have CEOs or COOs. <laughs> so if you go long on talent, you're going to, you know, in, ensure that your organization, organization thrives, not just survives. Um, but then you're also, if you're not prioritizing as a pastor, the youth ministry section or the re- religious ed, you're also saying like there's a scarcity mindset and it's implicit. And then your people are going to learn that. And even when they leave, like when I left ministry, I still thought like, oh, I can't collaborate because everybody talks about collaboration. Not a lot of people do it. Mm-hmm. Out where I was. Um, and nobody really talks about like, you know, supporting each other. So it, you leave with that scarcity mindset. And if you think of how many parishes are in the United States, how many like people are in ministry and religious ed and are leaving with a scarcity mindset. And then if you try to work with, like I've tried to work with Catholics um, in my the PR, my main business side. And I usually try not to work with Catholics anymore because it, it's such a scarcity mindset. Mm. And I've been so many times. Um, so I try, it's just, it's just so interesting just seeing it played out. And then when you're in that scarcity mindset, you're in a, you're a state of fear. So there's only two states you could be in state of fear or a state of love. And if you're in a state of fear, the scarcity mindset, you're also going to be making assumptions of other people and then you're going to be judging them. And so when you try to interact in a situation, they're reacting to your judgment state. And so they're going to react correctly, which is usually like, oh, I'm not going to buy what you have or I'm not going to participate with you. And then you're left wondering like, why aren't people, you know, engaging with me? Because you've been in a scarcity mindset for so long instead of being in a state of love, which is where you encounter people. And then if we really want to encounter people talking about ministry, like the new evangelization is reaching people on the fringes and those people are at work and those people are not at parishes. They're not in the Catholic Facebook groups or the Catholic Instagram. They're like on the fringes. So we need to train people how to thrive and be in the abundance mindset, which is not the health and wealth gospel, abundance mindset to encounter people with love so they can respond in love. And then I, I found out, for example, my stylist, and like several of my employees on my, my main business are all fa- were all fallen away Catholics. Never talked about my Catholic faith except, you know, I went to Mass this Sunday. I just presented myself accordingly and just had like random conversations. My stylist, my hairstylist started going back to confession. My wardrobe stylist That's started awesome. going back And so it's like, you need to, we need to train people how to be essentially, not youth ministers, but like, you don't necessarily talk, need to talk about God, but it is how you present yourself according to theology of the body in the workplace. And no one does that currently except for us. Yeah, our lives are the biggest witness to the faith. I mean, the way that we live is is everything. Um, 
it's it's far more important than our words for sure and that i think that that abundance uh mindset is a big part of that right like man my entire journey professionally uh is so interwoven with my entire journey spiritually um at every single turn it has been me trusting like the the tide of god's will and his plans without necessarily knowing what was around the corner just like having an energy that said there's more like god has a plan and and he's pushing me and you know i I, metaphorically I, i kind of think of it as god is holding the steering wheel and i just have to keep my foot on the pedal right so it's not like i'm hands off i have to put things into action and i have to keep my foot on the pedal but he's taking the steering wheel in a sense. Um, that's That's been the way that I've come to where I'm at today, and, and it's how I'll get to wherever I'm going next, or not that I'm going somewhere else, you know, but that's how things will continue to grow and evolve in Awakened Catholic and in my life personally. Um, so let's talk specifically about, um, you know, de- so we've deprogrammed this idea of scarcity and like we should shy away from money and and we shouldn't be um money should not be a factor and i just when it comes to those things it's like you know none of the ministries of the church would be possible in the way in which they're being executed if it weren't for people that had the means to support those ministries in the church (laughs) um you know like every other thing everything that happens at a parish is based on people's generosity that have the means to be generous um so at the parish level it's true any nonprofit that does anything worth anything including awakened catholic is only possible because of the gener- the generosity of people that have the means to be generous with Speaking of with, if, if speaking of which, nice smooth transition, Nick. If you'd like to be uh, a, one of those people that generously gives as a part of your means of generosity, join the Awakened Nation by visiting awakenedcatholic.org/donate. <clears throat> Anyways, back to the regularly scheduled program. Um, I think that it's so crucial because you know I, I told you when we uh, had a, a call uh, uh, last week, Elena, that. My wife and I, early in our marriage, especially, you know, um, every every job that I had had was really low-paying parish job. My very first parish job for full-time ministry was $23,000 a year. Oh, wow. uh, and that was full-time youth ministry, so you know I was working like 80 hours a, a week, right? So, oh, wow. yeah. So we were very, very poor. And um, we, but rich in love. Anyways, we had, um, <laughs> we, we were uh, given a gift of a vehicle because we were having our first baby and someone wanted to help us because the vehicle that we had was too small. It was like a little Ford Escort. Um, it was in great condition, but it was like, you know, we have rough winters here and we have this baby that's coming. So someone gave us a gift of a car. We had the opportunity to try to sell that Ford Escort um, to help ourselves financially, which would have been a very reasonable thing to do that you would think anyone would do. And we made a choice because we knew of someone else that was in need of a vehicle. We ended up deciding to gift them that Ford Escort. And we had very, very little. And all I can think about is it it makes that, that story makes me think about two things. One, that whole chain of giving was only possible because somebody had the means to be generous and gift us a car. And then we were put in a position that we could be generous to gift someone else a car. And if that first family that gifted us a car did not have the means, none of that would have happened. And I just think about if I had more means in that time, and even now, like how much more I would love to, to bless other people's lives with it. But I, you know, the ways it's not like I can't bless people's lives. Now I still try to every single day. Right. Um, in fact, here at Awakened Catholic, like my wife and I do not take a salary from Awakened Catholic because we're making sure that we're able to support our team members first and foremost. And so we do what we can with what we have, but I would love to be able to do more. And I think that there is this misconception that to live out the gospel, you have to be less focused on making money. 
But I just think about all the beautiful people that make Awaken Catholic possible because they have money. And I think about how I would love to, to bless people even more than I can now and ever have in the past, and how what that requires is money. And, you know, so there's this kind of, uh, what is that diagram where the circles kind of keep, uh, I don't know, Venn diagram? No, that's where they overlap. Whatever it is, that circle diagram thing. Colleen, do you know what it is? Man, <sighs> Catholic schooling and homeschooling, they have, they've let us down. <laughs> Um, anyways, I just, I just think that there is this, uh, there is truth in, in the need for us to have an abundance mindset because it allows us to be more effective in the world, right? Every single time when I worked for the diocese that we needed something or we needed to do something to be effective, the, the, the next step was let's find a donor. Yeah. Instead of, you know, why aren't we self-sufficient and able to fund this, you know, on our own from our surplus? Right. That, yeah. Just because nonprofit doesn't mean you have to be, you know, starving. I agree. So what would you say would be uh, the first step for someone if, if you've been wrestling with like attention interiorly that you have dreams, you have aspirations, but you don't know how to reconcile that with what is conventionally, you know, recognized in the faith is like, a lack of humility or whatever, what would be like the first step for someone to kind of reorient their, their view on this, this stuff? Yeah. So before I dive into that answer, I want to say that the, with making money, there's not a problem with making money. The problem is where you put your attention in terms of like, where do you you put God? So is God like in the center or is he outside of that center? And so if he, if your intention for making money is like, I'm going to make money because I want to acquire like in the gospel, like barns and barns full of like gold, you know, like <laughs> cash money, basically, you know, that's the wrong intention. But if you're, the intention is Christ is at your center and like you're trying to serve God in every interaction that you're making, which is how you should be doing business. There's a great video. Uh, you should check it out. It's called the socialist solution and the Catholic business solution. Um, it's by Catholic university of America, but it talks a lot about that as well. Um, by Catholic university of America. Um, but if you have God at the center, then your intention can't your intentions can't be wrong and you will be a good steward of what you're making and also i think the problem too is that as catholics and parishes don't teach anyone about stewardship or philanthropy and like how to be a philanthropist and like giving for example is down nationwide about 40 percent um even pre-covid people like to put that number on covid but it was before that um and so i'm very passionate about talking about philanthropy and how to be a good steward of what we're given and i think we have a responsibility to um, be that five talent steward and like multiply that in the sense that we've been given so much by God. And so if you're having trouble realizing like your dreams, I would say the first thing you need to do is write down your dreams and we categorize them at Mission to Launch into three buckets. So possible, stretch and impossible. And it's really important to write down and realize and like in internalize those impossible dreams because if if you've like thought about it like oh i could be like an nba team owner or i could have like you know millions of dollars in the bank by you know whatever i could say i think it's important to realize that because you've been thinking about that for a reason um again looking at your intention though if it's because i just want to make tons of money and oodles of money and have like 30 cars you know for the sake of having those things um might not be the best thing so you need to re-examine your intention but if it's a good for a good reason, you want to impact a lot of people for good. You want to have success. So the definition of success is impacting human behavior for good. It's not like the rappers who have like the gold chains. Right. You know that's kind of success we're looking at. Um, but like, what where do you want to impact um, people for good? And so where do you do that at scale? Is by having a successful business, um, having a successful nonprofit that you have you know cash in the bank. Um, to an excess almost that you can give generously back to people. You're not always constantly looking for, you know, where is that next donor going to come from? That's very much like the scarcity mindset. So again, writing down those dreams, actually writing them down, even if they seem silly, I think you should re-examine your dreams every six months at least because you're constantly changing and growing. Hopefully that's how holiness works. Like we're Mm -hmm. always changing. Um, So looking at that and then also starting a process of 
routine building being organized waking up at a certain time like being an entrepreneur does not mean you get to wake up at 9 a.m every day i wake up at 6 30 and i go to bed by 10. so you know it's it's having an organized life and realizing that you need to be organized in your thoughts that carries in into every other part of your life and in your dreams and if you're waking up at 9 or 10 a.m like how are you going to realize you know your dreams like the big big time people like steve jobs Tim Cook, um, maybe we don't want to use Tim Cook as an example, but he wakes up, <laughs> he, he only sleeps like four or five hours a night and he goes to bed by eight o'clock because like, you realize you have a lot to do in the world and he's maybe impacting the world in a negative way perhaps, but like if we have so much more as Catholics, why are we sleeping in? We should not be sleeping in, we need to get things done. We need to have an organized mindset, We need to, but we need to train our minds. So a couple of affirmations that I was doing or script writing, whatever you'd like to call them. Um, and I don't believe in the crystals. I think all that stuff is like super demonic. So we stay far away from that stuff. <laughs> in I'm glad general, to hear that. <laughs> oh, I think I lost you, Elena. Far away from that. Um, Elena, could you repeat whatever you just said? I think we lost you for a second there. Oh. After the crystals comment. Which part did you? Oh, we stay far away from the crystals and all of that stuff and, and mission to launch and, and otherwise, but it's important to have scripts because that rewires your brain. It's a very science backed, which we go into, um, but rewiring your brain into a present reality, you know, so if you need to build confidence around um, just self-worth, but also wealth contribution, which is your work, um, how you relate to God. So I do affirmations about prayer every day. Like I trust in God with ease, which trusting in God can be sometimes very difficult. Um, you know, I pray with ease. I trust that everything is aligning perfectly, even if I cannot see it, because there's things that are always going on in the background. So if you go through a difficult situation or you go through a trial, you know, those things are life is happening for you, not to you. Learning through each of those experiences. Um, those are things that we're not really taught from our parents, usually, or like in university. So it's important to realize these are skills that we need to achieve and attain to realize those dreams. And if we don't have the skill sets necessary, we might try to start building a skyscraper, but if we don't know how to build and like the foundation, those dreams are very quickly not going to be realized. Yeah, I, I'm a huge believer in what you were saying about the the script writing for yourself and, and really what you're doing is rewiring the the, the way that your brain uh, thinks, the way that you see yourself, um, reprogramming that. And I think that there's a lot of evidence in science even that that there's a lot more to that than people realize. One example is, um, you know, people who have multiple personality disorder, how some of their, their different personalities have different eye colors that manifest in real time. Um, and just really wild things where our psyche can actually have a huge impact on our physiology and who we think we are. And, and I think that being intentional about the programming that we give ourselves, the script that that runs in our mind, um, is a huge component of of ch making changes in our lives that are significant. Uh, and you know, I'm not saying that you can change your eye color eye color by willing it, but what I am saying is um, that God created an incredible mechanism in the human body that that I think we are only scratching the surface of understanding but but there are definitely huge implications to the way that we see ourselves the the scripts the the programming that we talk to ourselves with day to day you know when we look in the mirror do we see someone that we hate do we see someone that is a nobody do we see someone that um can't achieve great things or do we see someone and do we intentionally see someone when we look in the mirror that has incredible potential and is going to do great things and is beautiful and worthy and powerful, rooted in the Lord, obviously. Um, and, and some of those differences are so crucial and it can only be done with intentionality. You're not just going to magically, you know, if, if you struggle with those, a lot of those things, you're not just going to magically love yourself one day. You have to be intentional about like, really changing the programming and the script. So I love that you brought that up. That's huge. That's a big part of it. Yeah. And I think that's something as Catholics, we very much back away from because so much of it is very new agey. And so there's not, there's no current, you know, Catholic lens, you know, program with a Catholic lens that, that addresses that. Um, and I think there's a lot, there's also a really cool saint that I found out about recently. Her name is, she's a doctor of the church. 
to Hildegard um, of Bingen. Mm-hmm. And she like, believed that you could go back to the earth and like heal yourself because she was like, God created, you know, good things in the earth. Um, and she used emeralds apparently to heal people. Um, not that I would recommend doing that because I don't know how any of that works. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's interesting that like a lot of, you know, the devil distorts a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so the things that are science-based um, are actually, some of it is very Catholic. So I think that could be helpful if people are still kind of hesitant about it. Um, there's a saint for that. Yeah, there's actually a really interesting movie on Amazon about her uh, that one of the other hosts on another Awakened Catholic show, Teresa Grodi, recommended to my wife and I. And we watched it, and it's super interesting. It's a foreign film, and it's pretty old, but it is really worth watching, I think. I forget what it's called right now, but it's on Amazon Prime uh, if you look up Hildegard. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, all right. So, and then finally, like, let's talk about Mission to Launch. So, how, how are you using Mission to Launch to work towards a lot of these ends in, in more specific ways? Yeah, so... Again, the the us as Catholics having that deep difficulty with mindset, we address in the first like four modules of Mission to Launch and the course experience. So they're not just one-off courses that you can buy because we really believe in the the full formation of the human person, and we wouldn't would we be doing a disservice to you if we were to sell individual courses. Um, so the skill sets they build on each other. So we address dreaming and like what has pulled us back from dreaming, especially as Catholics, um, and then we go into mindset and go into the very science-backed. Um, you know, scarcity, moving from scarcity into abundance, all of it is very practical and very much about practicality. I don't believe in just, you know, spewing things for the sake of spewing them. I want to give actionable, practical things. We talk about different scripts to launch you. We teach you how to make your own scripts, especially if you're dealing with your own fears, like how to flip that. Uh, we talk about, um, you saw the theology of the workplace course, and then we go into the more uh, quote unquote hard skills. So negotiation, um, which is actually being taught by a Catholic Lebanese woman. Her name is Dr. Jean Kawaji, and she has an MS, MBA, and PhD from Stanford. She like advised Steve Jobs, like legit, um, and has worked with like top Fortune 50 CEOs. So like, think Walmart, um, Apple, wow. Google, like, all those like amazing companies. And she actually taught negotiation at Stanford and in like world top MBA programs and has stopped teaching that because she doesn't think that MBA programs make people better. She said that everybody who goes into an MBA program for the most part, you become a worse person. <laughs> so she, she stopped teaching negotiation because she didn't want to, she didn't want people to be manipulated in those situations. So she thinks that mission to launch is the answer that not only Catholics, but the world needs to teach skill sets. So she's only teaching this class for us, it's like a $29,000 value, basically, if you were to go to Stanford, a semester at Stanford, just teaching it for us. Um, she believes that if you go into a negotiation situation and you get what you wanted, you fail at negotiation. And also, it's a, every situation that you, en- that you encounter someone else is an opportunity to encounter them in God and in love. So her, her mission, she believes, is to bring love and God into like top senior executives. She's like worked with Shell Oil like pharmaceutical companies, like the CEOs at those companies. So you get that experience mission to launch. Also learning about how to identify your transferable skills from ministry, theology, if you've just turned out of seminary, if you're a mom and you want to work, like we have those skills for you. Also entrepreneurship 101, how to best serve people, what what problem do you want to solve, servant leadership through networking. And then if you sign up this year, you get also access uh, basically free access to all our classes next year, including investing 101, the stock market, how to create and stick to a budget, motherhood and business, how to evangelize without losing your soul in the workplace, social media without losing your soul. Um, we have a couple of A-list celebrities who are Catholic coming on board as well. Very wow. like class premium for Catholics. That is so awesome. That entire litany of what you guys are offering now and what you will be offering next year sounds really amazing. And I think there might be a little special something, something leading up to Cyber Monday. If you want to share that with the people, yes. So if you um, if you follow us on Instagram, mission number two launch at Instagram, or if you go to our website, mission two launch dot com, if you sign up for our email list, we we actually have a special promo for Awaken Catholic, which is Awaken twenty. Or if you sign up for our email list, there's also a Cyber Monday special coming out, um, but you get an additional twenty percent off. Um, which is our lowest guaranteed price. So you get all of those things. Plus we do have a mindset bootcamp that we are releasing. So the people that work with me at a $15,000 level 
um, who wants to speak at like TED conferences, what have you, you get that mindset bootcamp for 60 days um, to kind of like set you up to launch you into, into the new year. Um, so we're really excited for that and just really excited to activate Catholics to thrive, not just survive in the workplace. I love it. I think it's super important to build up uh, another generation of uh, leaders and excellent people in the workplace and as entrepreneurs. And I'm really excited about what you guys are doing as an organization for the church in that way. So thank you for your yes to the Lord and your courage to kind of step out and do these things. I think it's very, very needed and I'm, I'm glad you're doing it. Thank you, Elena. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Elena Murdoch with Mission to Launch, and I have been Nick Delatore, your host of the definitive Ca Awakened Catholic show on Awakened Catholic. If you want to be a part of what makes everything here at Awakened Catholic possible, this show, you know, the Awakened Catholic show, and all the other awesome content that's being produced here, where there's eight other shows, if you want to make Part of, if you want to be a part of making all of this possible, then head to awakencatholic.org slash donate. If you um, make a monthly contribution as low as $10 a month, you can be contributing to all of this great work, and you can be a part of the Awakened Nation. And members of the Awakened Nation not only make this possible, but they also get great premium content that's exclusive to the Awakened Nation, um, both on our website and on our app. Theawakenapp.io is where you want to go to get the Awaken app. We are not on the App Store or the Play Store because we're cooler than that. No, you got to go to your mobile browser and type in theawakenapp.io to get this app. On the app, you get all of the Awaken Catholic shows. Um, you're part of the community there. You can interact directly with the show hosts, and you can get premium content, uh, again, uh, if you're part of the Awaken Nation, through the app. It's a really, really great uh, hub for everything Awaken Catholic, uh, and we recently just added the ability to check out our online store through the app. So go to theawakenapp.io if you're on your iPhone. Go to the Safari browser and type that in. If you're on an Android device, go to the Chrome browser and type that in. Finally, there's one other app I want to tell you about. It's the Halo app. Our great partners at Halo um, have an amazing app that is designed to help you pray, to meditate, to enter into contemplative prayer. I literally use this app every single day. It has really made a difference in my life uh, spiritually, um, and I, I, a lot of us here at Awaken Catholic use it every day, uh, or at least very frequently. So check out um, the Hallo app, and if you go through our link and get the free month of premium subscription, you're also helping Awaken Catholic. So go to hallow.app slash awaken and get the free month of premium subscription. You'll be blessed by it and you'll be helping Awaken Catholic as well. And also, if you want to get that 20% off of the membership with Mission to Launch, uh, the coupon code is AWAKEN20. Is that what you said? Awaken 20. Awaken 20 at com. Did I get that right? Yes. Rock on. All right, everybody. Until next time, have a great one. Happy Thanksgiving. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hello.app slash awaken.